Amen. Welcome to the house of the Lord again. If you're thankful for the salvation that we have through the blood of Jesus, would you just join me and give him a hand clap of praise tonight? Amen. Amen. You can be seated for just a moment. My name is Greg McLean. I am currently the president of the Pike County Ministerial Alliance, and it's a joy to be able to have this service again. We've, uh, we're not able to, to have it last year, and uh, it's wonderful to be able to get back together. And uh, I hope that uh, part of what happens in this service tonight is that uh, if, uh, if you are not used to seeing as many of your brothers and sisters uh, in the Lord around town, that, and you know that they are part of the body of Christ, that you see a little more of that. Through the service tonight, others who, who worship the Lord and who uh, believe in Him and follow Him. And so I hope you'll get to know one another. I don't want to forget that at the conclusion of the service, uh, in the building just behind this one, uh, there will be cookies and hot apple cider and hot chocolate and all kinds of good stuff. It's a cold night, uh, and there are lots and lots of cookies, uh, 500 plus. So please, help us out. Uh, take a baggie home with you. I don't know. Stuff some in your neighbor's pocket. Whatever you need to do. But uh, let's, uh, let's enjoy that time together and uh, fellowship after the service uh, tonight. Uh, we will receive a love offering tonight for unmet needs. So I just want you to be aware of that. And uh, we'll, we'll do that. Uh, as you leave, there will be ushers at the back door. I'll, I'll remind you of this again uh, before the service ends. But I just wanted to let you know about that uh, right now. Uh, so that you're uh, prepared for that offering in just a little while. Uh, again, I just want to thank you for being here and being a part of this uh, service tonight and all of the pastors and churches that make up uh, the Ministerial Alliance here in Pike County. Be in prayer for our pastors especially. They, uh, they always face challenges, as many of you know, and many of them actually could not be here tonight because they have uh, uh, different circumstances that are going on, members of their churches, other things that uh, some have come up literally last minute uh, to prevent some of them from being here uh, tonight. So would you join me in just at the outset, let's pray for one another and pray for uh, our pastors. I'm, I'm deviating just a little bit from the order, but I feel like we ought to just take a special moment uh, to do that. Father, unify our hearts together in you. Lord, uh, on any given Sunday, we... Uh, there are so many things that we're alike in. There are so many things that we're different in. But may we be united as you and the Son and the Spirit are one. Join our hearts together. We lift up our pastors to you, those who serve so faithfully week in and week out, some who are right now this moment ministering to, to hearts and to families and to needs uh, that are going on. And Lord, uh, we thank you that you have promised to be with them where they are right now and you have promised to be with us here in this service tonight. It's a miracle that you are able to do that and we thank you for it. We acknowledge your presence in this place and we want to worship you as we continue to, to hear from your word and to lift up our praises to you and as the word is brought uh, in just a little, little while. Thank you for joining us together tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We have four special young ladies that are going to come at this time, and they're going to share a, a reading from God's Word tonight, Psalm 107. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their glory their story, those he redeemed from the, from the hand of the, fo the foe, those he gathered from the lands, from the east and, and west, from the north and south, some wandered in the desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then, he, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their d distress. He led them by straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. 
Some sat in darkness and utter darkness, prisoners suffering in iron chains, because they rebelled against God's commands and despised the plans of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled, and there was no one to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of the darkness, the utter darkness, and broke away their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he breaks down gates of bronze and cuts through bars of iron. Some became fools through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed over food and drew near to the gates of death. They cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them sacrifice thanksgiving offerings and tell of his works with songs of joy. Some went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wit's end. And they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper, and the waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. Would you join me in prayer tonight? Lord, I thank you for this night. I thank you for this opportunity to be able to be gathered together and worship you. It is only because of your goodness, Lord. I pray that you will bless tonight. I pray that you will bless this service and that you will move in this place. I pray that you will speak through Josh tonight and uh, be with us and use this service for your work and your will and your way. In your glorious and wonderful name, amen. Would you stand in worship? I am thankful that God made seats. Have a seat. All right. <clears throat> My name is Chris Leppert. I'm the pastor at uh, Pittsfield First Baptist. It's a campus location of Columbus Road Baptist out of Quincy, uh, Illinois. And I am glad to be here with you all. A couple things that I'm, say, uh, that I'm thankful of uh, is I am thankful for um, not just teachers, but the special needs teachers. Those that help kids learn how to speak without stuttering. Uh, those who help kids learn how to read um, with dyslexia. Uh, and because uh, I didn't have any teachers that taught me how to read. I didn't. Uh, what they did is they taught me how to um, memorize lists of words and recognize them. Anybody learn to read like that? Is that reading? Not really, not really. I actually, if I substitute an elementary class and I have to teach phonics, I ask the kids how to sound out the words. Okay, seriously. So I am thankful for teachers that teach phonics. I'm thankful for teachers that spend the time to help kids uh, with their speech, with their impediments, with their reading. I'm thankful for that in huge ways. I really am. I'm also thankful for <clears throat> No Shave November. I'm thankful for deer hunters, thankful for camo, and uh, I am thankful uh, for each one of you uh, who give me a smile to my bad jokes. All right, so if you will take your bulletin, we have the Apostles' Creed on the inside, and if you will, we'll read this together, and so if I switch a word, please forgive me. Uh, if I mispronounce a word, please forgive me. And we'll read it together in all humility, uh, the Apostles' Creed. And Greg said to read it slow, 
And, and I, he, I also told him about a, a large print Bible that somebody gave me one time. And, and I looked at it, I began to read it, and it said, In the beginning, some of you are going to get there eventually. Uh, anyway, let's take the Apostle Creed and read it together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of saints, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Good evening, everybody. Since uh, Chris opened with a few jokes, I was going to ask you, how do you feel about a preacher that starts a sermon with a joke? Because I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I'm not a fan of pastors that particularly get up and they start their sermon with a joke. So that's what I'm going to do. And it's a bad one. It's a bad dad joke. I'll tell you that up front so you can groan appropriately when the time comes. And some of you may have heard this joke before. Did you guys know that at Thanksgiving time, that is actually when most men start to work out? That's when most men go into training, and most men prepare themselves to play Santa Claus. I told you it was a bad joke. I told you you could groan. It's okay. But this Thanksgiving time is what we are beginning to celebrate, and we are starting to celebrate capital T Thanksgiving. And what I want us to think about and to talk about a little bit tonight is what is the difference between capital T Thanksgiving and lowercase t Thanksgiving. Let's start with the capital T. We learn in school that the first Thanksgiving took place 400 years ago. 1621, the pilgrims and the Native Americans in what is now Massachusetts gathered together and had about a three-day-long feast to celebrate the bountiful harvest that God had given them that particular year. The year before, over half of them died. The next year, they would have a terrible harvest and a big chunk of them again would die. As we go throughout our nation's history, in 1777, the Continental Congress, now two years into the American Revolution, called for a day of thanksgiving. They wrote a proclamation from York, Pennsylvania, because the British had captured the nation's capital at that, or captured Philadelphia, and they called for a day of thanksgiving. And presidents would continue to do that. James, or John Adams would do it for a couple of years. Thomas Jefferson didn't do it at all. James Madison brought it back, and he presented proclamations to the nation for a day of thanksgiving. Not always in November, sometimes in February, sometimes in September or August, all throughout the calendar, the president or the leader of a various state would call the nation to a day of thanksgiving. When we get into the 1840s, if you know the story, a woman named Sarah Hale started writing letters to governors and to officials and to presidents as well, wanting a national day of thanksgiving. And part of her idea for that was that churches would raise money on that particular day to buy slaves from captivity in the South. And that those slaves would then be educated and they would be repatriated to Africa. During the Civil War, on more than one occasion, Abraham Lincoln, after a 
a great victory or after a great defeat during the war, he would call the nation to a day of thanksgiving. After him, I believe it was President Grant that made it a federal holiday in Washington, D.C., and then other presidents expanded it, and it eventually became a federal holiday across our nation, and all federal workers and banks and things are closed. And we gather together as families, and we eat, and we watch football. And we eat some more while watching football. So everything that is in our modern-day Thanksgiving, it's food, and it's family, and it's watching football and then it's going shopping that night because at 6 o'clock on Thursday night, sometimes the stores open. And I worked at Farm and Home for several years, and I had to work on Thanksgiving night a couple of times when the store opened and see the flood of people that would rush into the building to grab everything that they wanted from that particular year that was on such a great sale. So all of those things that are in our modern day Thanksgiving, just think about it in your mind. And if you know your history very well of the past Thanksgivings, all of those things we have in our capital T Thanksgiving today, were any of those in that capital T Thanksgiving before? There were two things in that capital T Thanksgiving that the Continental Congress asked for. And there were two things in that Thanksgiving proclamation that President Washington and all the presidents after gave. Do you know what those two things were? Prayer and fasting. It was not a day of eating. It was not a real day of celebration. It was not even a day of families gathering together in big groups and coming from different parts of the country to be together and to celebrate. It was to fall on your knees and not to eat for 24 hours and to raise your voice or not your voice or your hands or not your hands, depending upon what church you go to, and you were to offer your thanksgiving, your thanks to God for what he had done and for what he was going to do Ask him, we need more blessings of the kind you've already given. So what did we do to Thanksgiving? What did we do to capital T Thanksgiving? We did what we've done to every other holiday. We've made it a day of indulgence. Just think your way through the calendar with me. What do we do on Valentine's Day? Eat chocolate. Candy, it's all about love. I still remember at school having to do all of the Valentines, one for every student in the class, and it was very important that you picked the right one for the girl that you had a crush on and made sure that she knew that that one was yours, and then you put them in little mailboxes in certain ways that the teachers created for you. What do we do on St. Patrick's Day? What do most people do on St. Patrick's Day? Drink beer, particularly green beer. I mean, Easter is, is pretty close to still being Easter, but there's a whole lot of chocolate bunnies. I'm thankful for chocolate bunnies, though. I'm not going to complain about the solid chocolate bunny. Don't give me any of those hollow chocolate bunnies. What do we do on Memorial Day? We get together and we barbecue and we drink more beer and we go to the lake and we party and we have a great time with family when that whole day is dedicated to the remembrance of soldiers and men and women, sailors and marines and that gave their life for our nation. And we've turned it again into a day of indulgence. Fourth of July, I'm pretty much okay with the party on Fourth of July with getting together in groups of people and families and barbecuing and celebrating our nation in that way. And then we get around to Thanksgiving and it's all about indulgence and, and filling our bodies so full of food that we can't move in from in front of the TV. We just have to sit there and watch the football. And what about Christmas? Is Christmas any better? My wife and I and, and, and Adeline and Cole and, and Frankie, we were in, in Quincy yesterday and we stopped at Hobby Lobby. Lawrence just wanted to go in and look for a rug. She said, I'm only going in to look for a rug and that's all I'm looking for and I'm coming back out. She went in the door, made it a little ways and texted me and said, I'm coming back out. 
There were so many people in the lines checking out with things. Some of you may have been in there checking out at that particular time because Lauren saw you. But that store fills itself every year full of Christmas decorations, and, and we've turned Christmas, like all the other holidays, into a day of indulgence where everything is loud and in your face and bright colors and flashing lights, and we eat lots of food, and we go to parties, and we do all of these things, and we have again created it and turned it into a day of indulgence. That's what big T Thanksgiving is in our world, in our, at least in the United States, in our culture, that is what it has turned into. And it has nothing to do with little t, lowercase t, Thanksgiving. When you read throughout Scripture all of the places where the writers that God inspired call the nation or call us as Christians or individual people to give thanks it has nothing to do with indulgence, not indulging of self. It has all to do with giving glory to God for what he has done. If you've got your Bibles in front of you, I want to look at a couple of scriptures this evening with you. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you in Jesus Christ. Give thanks. This verse, as I was reading about it, and I was thinking of these three pieces that are here, and Paul mentions these in another place in the end of Philippians as he is writing to the church at Philippi. He says, be joyful and pray and, and give thanks in everything. These really are like three pillars of the Christian life. If I want to know that you are a Christian, and I look at you and I see your life and I see those three things, I'm going to know that you're a Christian. But if I look at you and I, and I don't see any of those three things in your life, it's going to make me wonder whether or not you are a Christian, and you're not going to be showing yourself to be a Christian to the world. Let's talk about all three of these quickly. Be joyful always. He says in the book of Philippians, rejoice, and I say again, rejoice. Pray continually and give thanks. I was talking a few months ago to one of my coworkers, and I said to them, hey, you're, I didn't realize that your grandma and grandpa go to my church. And their response was, oh, I didn't know they went to church. It wasn't, I didn't know they went to your church, or I didn't know they went to that church. It was, I didn't know that they went to church. And it made me think, how has our church failed? What is it about how they live their life outside of our church that doesn't show Jesus to their own grandchildren? And these three pillars have to be a part of our life, joy, prayer, and thanksgiving. One of my favorite parts about this verse, these verses three of them, there are no caveats. Pray, excuse me, be joyful when? Always. Pray continually, always. Give thanks when? In all circumstances. Not simply when things are good, not simply when things are going well, when it would seem to be easy to be joyful or to pray or to give thanks for all that God has done in our life, but to do so always. And I admit that's a pretty easy thing. For, I can say that seems like it's an easy thing for me to do. I was raised in a great family with both of my parents at home. I have multiple college degrees. 
I have a job that I greatly enjoy that pays the bills for my family. I'm fairly healthy, could be better based upon my own choices. I have a wife and a child and one on the way. Not everybody knew that? I thought most everybody knew that. Yes, we have another one on the way. We have one coming in uh, April, end of April. So it would seems like that would be an easy thing for me to say to be joyful always and to pray continually and to give thanks for all of these various things that God has done great in my life. But when I look at the people that seem to hold these three pillars in their life, the people that I would see from the history of the church that were always joyful, that prayed continually, that gave thanks to God in every circumstance, are those the people that had everything wonderful all of their lives, or were they the ones that everything seemed to fall apart half the time or more? It seems to be easier, or it at least seems to be much more impactful when you give thanks and when you pray and when you are always joyful, even in the midst of terrible circumstances. And this is an interesting thing for me as I learn more about the church in the rest of the world. You would think that American Christians are the most joyful, most praying, most thanksgiving church in the world. But I think anyone who has gone overseas and done any type of mission work, which I admit that I have not, I have just heard the stories, is the church in the rest of the world is far more joyful, far more hard praying, and far more giving thanks to God than we are in our country. Because they rely on God so much more for the day-to-day things that they have, and we don't have to. One of my professors in college is Dr. Chuck Sackett. He was the preacher at Madison Avenue Christian Church in Quincy. That's the big church in, I think, used to be Kmart building. And he, for many years, went and taught in Poland, Poland or Austria. And at one time, a couple of the people that he partnered with over there and taught with came over here to the States. I believe it was Poland came over here to the States, to their church, witnessed their worship services, and they asked him, while we're here in town and you're here in the States, it wasn't a very long stay, what do you want to do? They said, I want to go to an American grocery store. And they went in that grocery store and walked around and were silent and and had very little um, comment about it. And after they got the groceries that they needed, they left, and and Dr. Sackett asked them what they thought of it. This was the one thing you asked for. And their response was, I now realize why it's so hard to be a Christian in America. When we should be the most joyful, when we should be the most praying, when we should give thanks in all circumstances and give thanks for so much, we cease to. Maybe you are in a circumstance where you find all three of those things hard. I want to give you a great example of someone who, in incredibly trying and awful circumstances, did all three of these. This book you may be familiar with, I want to read just a little bit of it. It's called The Hiding Place. By Corey Tinboom. And Corey Tinboom was a woman who in, lived in the Netherlands during World War II. The Nazis, of course, invaded Holland. The Netherlands swept through rather quickly. They, her and her sister and her father worked at their watch shop, and they also did everything they could to get the Jews out of their town to protect the Jews. Jewish men and women were not given ration cards in order to get food from the stores. They got counterfeit ones or they stole them and they provided them to Jews so that they could have food. They did many other things. 
in her bedroom, they've created a false wall. And if you went through the bottom of her bookcase, you could hide the Jews into the back wall. Her family was eventually arrested. Her father and her and her sister were thrown into prison. She never saw her father again after they were arrested. He died in prison. Her and her sister were sent to one concentration camp, and then they were eventually sent to a concentration camp called Ravensbrück. And this happens right after they arrive there. And one of the things that they have had with them the whole time is she has had a very small Bible that she has been able to hide inside her clothing. And this is when they're, getting, they're going into one of the, the dormitories, for lack of a better word. And if you've seen any of the pictures from inside a concentration camp, there were bunks that were stacked floor to ceiling and as many people as possible were crammed into them and slept in them. I'm going to start reading. We followed our guide single file. The aisle was not wide enough for two. Fighting back the claustrophobia of those, these platforms rising everywhere above us, the tremendous room was nearly empty of people. They must have been out on various work crews. At last, the guide pointed to a second tier in the center of a large block. To reach it, we had to stand on the bottom level, haul ourselves up, then crawl across three other straw-covered platforms to reach the one we were to share with how many. The deck above us was so close, was too close to let us set up, so we lay back, struggling against the nausea that swept over us from the reeking straw. We could hear the women who had arrived with us finding their places. Suddenly, I sat up, striking my head on the cross slats above. Something had pinched my leg. Fleas, I cried. Betsy, the place is swarming with fleas. We scrambled across the intervening platforms, heads low to avoid another bump, dropped down to the aisle, and edged our way to a patch of light. Here, and here another one, I wailed. Betsy, how can we live in such a place? Show us, show us how, Betsy said. It was said so matter-of-factly, it took me a second to realize she was praying. More and more, the distinction between prayer and the rest of life seemed to be vanishing for Betsy. Corey, she said excitingly, he's giving us the answer. Before we asked, as he always does, in the Bible this morning, where was it? Read that part again. I glanced down the long, dim aisle to make sure no guard was in sight, then drew the Bible from its pouch. It was in 1 Thessalonians, I said. We were on our third complete reading of the New Testament since leaving their previous concentration camp that I can't pronounce. In the feeble light, I turned the pages. Here it is. Comfort the frightened, help the weak, be patient with everyone, see that none of you repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to all. It seemed written expressly to Ravensbrook. Go on, said Betsy, that wasn't all. Oh yes, and to one another and to all, rejoice always. Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. That's it, Corey, that's his answer. Give thanks in all circumstances. That's what we can do. We can start right now to thank God for every single thing about this new barracks. I stared at her. Then around me at the dark, foul-aired room. Such as, I said, such as being assigned here together. I bit my lip. Oh, yes, Lord Jesus. Such as what you're holding in your hands. I looked down at the Bible. Yes, thank you, dear Lord, that there was no inspection when we entered here. Thank you for all the women in this room who will hear you or will meet you in these pages. Yes, said Betsy. Thank you for the very crowding here because we're packed so close that so many more will hear. She looked at me expectingly. Corey, she prodded. Oh, all right. Thank you for the cram, jam, stuff, packed, suffocating crowds. Thank you, 
Betsy went on serenely for the fleas. And for the fleas, this was too much. Betsy, there's no way even God can make me grateful for a flea. Give thanks in all circumstances, she quoted. It doesn't say in pleasant circumstances. Fleas are a part of this place where God has put us. And so we stood between the pyres of bunks and gave thanks for fleas. But this time, I was sure Betsy was wrong. When you read through this book and you learn the story of Corey Tenboom and her sister, you learn that Betsy is the one that was joyful in her circumstances. She was the one that continued to pray. She was the one that was giving thanks in all circumstances. And Corey was the one who was beginning to despair in them. And if you know the rest of the flea story, later on she finds out after many weeks and months spent in that concentration camp, them reading the Bible to one another, them praying with one another, other women coming to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior because of that Bible that was hung around their neck, they realized why there was no inspection. They realized why the Nazis never came in to where they lived and shook it down to find the Bible that was hiding on her or hiding with anybody else. It was because of the fleas. The Nazi soldiers and the Nazi women as well who were leading and who were in charge of that concentration camp did not want the fleas on that building in them, so they stayed away. And God was glorified through fleas. You may have things in your life that look like fleas right now that are biting and attaching themselves to you that you can't imagine any way that God is using those for his good or for your good. But be joyful. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus and because of Christ Jesus. We can be joyful in all situations. We can pray in all situations. We can give thanks in all situations because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And we know that all of the things of life, the momentary things or the things that seem to last forever can be things that give us joy, things for us to pray about and things for us to give thanks for. I want us to keep thinking about our thanksgiving and how we give thanks as individuals. It's so much fun right now learning or watching Frankie learn to talk. Frankie will be two in February. And he says all kinds of fun things. He talks and we have no idea what he's saying sometimes. You guys know how that is with babies, kids. They'll say an entire sentence. You have no idea what it was. They'll repeat it exactly like they said it the first time. You still have no idea what it was. But part of that teaching our children to speak is to say thank you. And if I remember right, Frankie said thank you before we had ever said, Frankie, say thank you. He had heard my wife and I say thank you to one another and to give thanks in other situations. And he, I think we were giving him food and he said, thank you. And he still sometimes, not always, will say, thank you, Mommy. Thank you, Daddy. Or sometimes we will have to say, well, Frankie, say thank you. And that's what we are taught as children, and that is what we do throughout our lives. We say thank you. But is that really giving thanks? Simply saying thank you? Because for me, thanksgiving is not simply about words that come out of our mouth, but it is the condition of our heart and of our mind as we live our lives that everything we do and we say and all those around us can see the thankful and joyful and prayer-filled heart that we have. There's another verse in Scripture that may come to your mind during Thanksgiving. It's James chapter 1, verse 17. You probably know it. For every good and perfect gift is from where? Above. Coming down from who? The Father of the heavenly lights. And I want you to think about your life with me. 
In thanksgiving, what we do is we acknowledge that what we have is a gift. We acknowledge that it is good, and we acknowledge the giver. So for me in my life, I acknowledge that my marriage to Lauren is a gift from God, and it is good. Amen? Do you acknowledge that your marriage is a gift from God and that it is good? What about your children and your grandchildren? Are they a gift? Are they a gift from God? And are they good? They might not always be good, but it is good. My job, I love my job. And I acknowledge that my job is a gift from God. It is good. I hated what I was doing before. There's so many things that I could put into that equation and I could say that thing that I have, it is a gift. It is from God and it is good. And I can give thanks for it. And there's so many things that we could throw out tonight that we are thankful for. We are thankful for living in this nation. We are thankful for being a part of our churches. We are thankful for being born at this time in world history. And I've often wondered how God reacts to our prayers of thanksgiving. When we say, God, thank you, I pretty much start every prayer that way. God, thank you for today. And I've always wondered and and thought, when God hears that prayer, does he say you're welcome? And then I've wondered another question. Does he say you're welcome? And then say, now what are you going to do with it? My marriage is a good gift from God. What am I going to do with it? And my children are a good gift from God, but what am I going to do with it? My job, everything that I have in my life is a good gift from God, and it is for him. Those things that God has given to us is not something for us to indulge in and something simply for us to enjoy. They are something that we are to use to give glory to God, to bring people to knowledge of him, to come to know who Jesus Christ is. That is what my marriage is for. That is what I am to do with my children and through my children and teach my children to do. That is what I am to do in my job and through my job in every way that I can. And every good gift that God has given me is to be turned back to him and used for his glory. So as you're giving thanks this season of thanksgiving, as you're giving thanks for everything, I want you to ask that question. What are you doing with the good gifts that God has given you that you are thankful for? I'll finish with this quick story. A few weeks ago when I was here and preached on Sunday morning, those of you who are from the Nazarene church heard part of the story of Lauren and I getting together. But I didn't tell you all the story, because I can't tell you all of it at one time. A couple of people told me I needed to meet Lauren. I had no intention of doing that. She was aware of me. She had no intention of meeting me. We had met in March a few years ago only because her parents were gone. And I was helping out with the street hockey group after school, and she was going to be there. I said hi. She said hi. And we didn't talk again for a couple hours. The whole two hours we were there. Yeah, we didn't talk again. I was terrified. Was I terrified of it not working out? I was terrified of it working out. I was terrified she might say yes. I was terrified of where it would go. So as I think about my marriage and as I think about all of these things that I want to turn back to God and use for his glory, I can't help but think of this story, this part of the story. Another time after leaving from there and driving back from Milton to Pittsfield, 
I was between those two curves that are north of Milton. And I was thinking about it, and I was like, why, why am I so afraid of it working out? And I had one of the instances in my life when I can think that the Spirit spoke most clearly to me. And my thought was, God is not a God of fear. That's Satan's job. So why does he want me afraid of this? And my thought was, or the, the Spirit's speaking into my heart was, if God is more glorified by Laura and I being together, then what do I have to fear? I think the devil is afraid of us being together because he knows that more glory is going to come to the Father through this good gift of a marriage that God is going to give to me. So what are you going to do with the good gifts that God has given you? Lauren and I have only been married for three and a half years. We have decades, hopefully, to go to bring glory to God through our marriage. But again, I want you to ask the question this Thanksgiving season. As you meet with your family and you give thanks for them, as you eat lots of food and give thanks for the food that, you're, that you have, you might give thanks for football. I'm not going to give thanks for football. Chris, you can give thanks for football, especially Packer football. If you prefer to, I won't be giving um, necessarily any thanks for football. But as you're giving thanks for all of those things, keep that question in your mind and may God put that question in your heart and will you answer it honestly? What am I going to do? How am I going to use this good gift that God has given me to bring glory and honor and praise to him and not to myself? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you as I always do for this beautiful and glorious day that you have given us, this Sabbath day, this day of rest and this day of worship, that we can come before you, that we can open up your word, and we can read that we are to be joyful, and that we should rejoice always, and that, Father, we should pray to you continually, that it should be the simple overflowing of our heart and of our mind should be rejoicing and prayer, and that it should be filled with thanksgiving in all circumstances. Father, help us to see even in the darkest of circumstances where it seems that there is nothing to rejoice for, that it seems that we cannot pray, that it seems that there is nothing to give thanks for. God, work on our hearts and our minds to see that you are still sovereign, that you are still in control, and there are many things for us to give thanks for. And Father, may we use all of those good gifts that you have given to us May we turn them back over to you. May we give them back to you and say, my marriage is for your glory. My children is for your glory. My job, my money, my home, my whatever it is that you have given me, may I give it back to you. And may you use it to bring glory and honor and praise to your name and to the name of Jesus. And it's in his name I pray, amen. Thank you, Josh. That's a, a good word that will help all of us have a better Thanksgiving than we've had maybe all of our life. So uh, let's indeed uh, take that to heart. Uh, almost uh, 20 years ago, in 2003, uh, pastors, concerned uh, lay people, uh, those uh, Christians that worked in uh, government uh, offices, uh, local government offices such as general assistants, recognized that there was a unique uh, need within our community. Uh, people who were through uh, unplanned, unforeseen circumstances coming upon them were uh, finding themselves in situations where they needed help. But because of certain uh, government programs and financial requirements and income-based uh, issues and things, uh, they didn't qualify for local assistance, things that were already in place and available to help. And uh, two donations totaling $850 began a committee 
that uh, name themselves Unmet Needs. And for the last 18 years, uh, that committee has been meeting uh, each month uh, to uh, address needs that have been brought to them, situations that there, there really aren't any other resources readily available or that they qualify for. Uh, and that has largely been funded through uh, charitable donations. It's totally been funded through charitable donations during those 18 years, but, but largely by the people of God in the churches in Pike County recognizing that uh, this is a good uh, place to give into that meets needs of people right here in Pittsfield, in Pike County, uh, and helps with that need. Uh, we have chosen the ministers of the Pike County Ministerial Alliance for the uh, last several years to, uh, to let the, the, the offering that comes in through the Thanksgiving service uh, go to that uh, need and continue that good work that Unmet Needs uh, is doing. So I want to give you an opportunity to participate in that offering. Uh, the way we're going to do that tonight is in just a moment, the praise team will help us with uh, uh, a benediction, a closing uh, song, and a singing together of the doxology. And as you leave, there will be uh, ushers at each of the, the doors as you go out. In fact, they're going to start moving that way uh, right now so that I can know they're going to move that way right now. And, uh, and they will be there uh, to receive uh, any offering that you have to give. If you're making out a check, uh, please make that out to the Pike County Ministerial Alliance, and we will write one check to uh, Pike County Unmet Needs. Uh, or if you do make it out, or if you've already made it out to Unmet Needs, that's okay. We'll take care of it. Uh, we'll make sure it gets uh, to Unmet Needs. But I just want to uh, encourage you. This is one way you can put into action and respond to the message tonight. Uh, by giving out of uh, all that God has blessed you with to help meet those. There may be someone in this room who, before the week is out or the month is out, you may be one who needs unmet needs. We all know how life can take those turns. So uh, please give generously, and we want to bless uh, this uh, uh, local uh, organization that is doing a good work here in Pike County. Uh, would you hear uh, the word of the Lord as a benediction uh, tonight, and then again, I want to invite you as you leave, please stick around, go over to the family center right behind the metal building right behind this one, and cookies and hot apple cider, all kinds of good things over there for you to enjoy. Hear, hear the word of the Lord from Jude. Now, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen.